Hello everybody, this is Twitchy Max and you're listening to season two of the family-friendly podcast Expired XP. This season we explore the world of gaming through insider interviews, new and retro game specials, and points of view on industry trends. If you like games, this podcast is for you. This episode, we have part two of our interview with Benson Russell, where we explore his involvement in the making of the classic game Last of Us. I guess for my, my one of the questions I've got is like, so this is insane. Like you're, you're working on these kind of uh, titles that people uh, knew and love and stuff. But so how did you how did you get into Naughty Dog from from that? How because it was you must have been such a big thing. And then you're moving into Naughty Dog, which was it wasn't an unknown factor, but a different a different yeah. known for. It was um, because I was on the PC side for so long. That was basically what happened was a lot of people were unhappy with the the owner, the main owner of 2015 and um, wanted to split off. Uh, Myself and several people, uh, we wanted to go down to Dallas because we were friends with working with Ritual. We made a lot of friends down there and uh, we wanted to head that way. And the people that stayed behind went and, and split off and formed Infinity Ward. Mm. Uh, and so they did what they did. Uh, I went to Ritual, was there for worked on Star Trek Elite Force 2, and then unfortunately uh, a, a product uh, Activision cut one of the projects they were working on. And so they had to lay off half the company. And so I got affected by the layoff. But in the process, EA was looking for, for people as well. And because I'd just come off Allied Assault and I knew a bunch of the people on the EA studio, they were like, oh yeah, you're hired, come on out. And so that's, and I met my, you know, my now wife at the time, but she's, she was like, hey, I want to go check out LA for a bit. So it was just kind of, Worked and then went to LA, worked at EALA for four years, which was a blessing and a curse. Uh, So I went from all these smaller studios to uh, a big studio at the time. And a big studio and the way it was run was not so great. Um, They're a totally different company now. I know a lot of people I also have known that have gone back there working out as, I think it's DICE LA is. Uh, And they, I think the DICE mentality has taken over most of EA and how they run their teams now and so it's so much better I, all the people i know that are there are like yeah we love it here it's they treat us well it's it's nothing like the old days so being in the old days like the eala studio was where um uh the, one of the first that lawsuit came from oh uh, yeah uh, the overtime lawsuit that mm. happened uh, with that was in the news uh the ea spouse that was mm. it uh, that whole thing was not my team. It wasn't the team I was on, but it was one of the teams. I think it was the Battle for Middle Earth team, if I remember correctly, uh, in that in that facility. So it was just, yeah, it was a, it was a giant change of pace. Worked on some Medal of Honor games, met some more good friends, good people, but you know they kind of run you into the ground there, uh, and you mm. get your first experience of like, yeah, the product's more you know the product's more important than the people, <laughs> yeah. in some ways. And basically, I kind of. Um, all right, funny side story was we were making a, a Medal of Honor Airborne and we were at a point where basically this is just after they bought Renderware and EA was really wanting to get the entire, all of EA onto one piece of tech for all their games. That was their goal. And they said, Renderware is going to be it. We just bought them. It's going to be it. Well, it turns out, you know, we kind of got sold a, you know, dead duck. Yeah. It was a lemon. It, like, yeah, people people didn't realize that like when you talk to the to their underwear team, they were like, that made underwear studio. They're like, oh, we don't we haven't made a game with it. We just kind of make a version and throw it over the wall and whatever. You don't realize that the people that were using Ren, that advertised using underwear, they were using components of underwear studio, not all of it. Even their own internal teams. Like, um, I just got a chance to talk to somebody who was on the 
the uh, the burnout series and what and uh, black uh, that was made. And he's like, oh yeah, we just used bits of it. We everything else is like our own inch. Yeah. <laughs> and it was such a nightmare to use that thing that basically EA was at a point where it's like, okay, we're going to make a decision on what tech to use. And everyone was screaming just license unreal. Like, because there was a time when I first came there, we were going to make Pacific Assault. Uh, they, they had a chance to go with Unreal 2, I think it was at the time. Maybe 3 was just starting, but I think it was 2. Um, and they decided, uh, nope. They came back and said, nope, we're going to make our own engine. And this is also when Half-Life 2 got announced. And they said, we gotta, you're gonna, we're going to make our own engine. It has to be feature for feature competitive with Half-Life 2. Oh, and, and we have to make this game and you have a year. That was, that was hmm. the task that was handed down. That didn't happen. So yeah, Pacific Assault turned out the way it did because of Again, like I said, EA being the grinding machine that it is. Yeah. Um, and so we were screaming that and they're like, we'll consider it, blah, blah, blah. And then all of a sudden they, on a Friday or whatever it is, they or Thursday, they keep making announcements saying, okay, we're going to take the Pacific Assault Tech and roll our own again. And we're like, for F's sake, <laughs> you know, hashtag FFS is my, is my yeah. modern response. But so what happened though was somebody found out if you were a PS3 developer, you got a free copy of Unreal, uh, a free evaluation copy of Unreal 3. Epic just gave you. And so some people that were used to Epic, like seven of us came in, it was called the Ninja Weekend. <laughs> uh, and we came in, we took all the assets on Airborne and we got it working in Unreal with a really simple prototype parachute drop mechanic and having their the, the bots running around at the level. And with the shaders and all the artwork and everything, we it basically, we got it up and operational that you could walk, you could parachute in and walk through the level we were trying to make in Renderer Studio that we couldn't do in a year Renderer Studio. We did it in wow. 48 hours, seven of us. And that's what we, we did it wow. as a way to show them like, this is the power we get if you let us go to Unreal and we can get this game out on time. Mm. Oh man, that kicked up a shit storm. I remember um, I had Neil Young come in the next day, put us in, like got all of us into a room that did that. And we thought maybe it would just be like, yeah, I mean, it was like, hey, you know, we can appreciate the passion you have here, but here's the reasons why maybe we don't want to go through real, but let's talk about it. Whatever. No, he yelled at us. <laughs> he, was, wow. uh, he basically was like, are you out of your effing minds? Are any of you guys lawyers? Do you know that the, the problem you just caused me? If all of a sudden you just showed the whole studio is just seen because everyone saw it when they came in on Monday, we sent an email yeah. out on Sunday saying, Hey, check this out. Look what we did. We made a video of it and all this stuff. And they're like, if we go to the team right now and say that we're not going to get this tech, you know how many people might just quit because of what you did? You just maybe it's I'm going to, you just kind of forced our hand. I'm like, then we weren't trying to do that. We're just trying to do the right thing. And like, yeah, I thought I was going to get fired on the spot, but I didn't. Uh, anyways, <laughs> I'll, let me wrap this up because it's turning long. So we started doing well. They made it a deal with Epic to license it for several games, you know, and other studios were like really happy because they're like, oh, thank you. We've been trying to get Unreal for a while now. Now we can make this game with it. Thank you. Nice. Um, so that was going and it kept upper management busy working on the schedule and the logistics. And that allowed us to just prototype and start. And I was helping prototype the way with unreal along with the other seven people the other six people of, of us that were did it that weekend of like we were sharing our expertise and just figuring this out and then all of a sudden you know at, at some point the schedule gets done and upper management can refocus the eye of sauron back on the game and start putting their junk in the mashed potatoes and so all of a sudden this wonderful progress we were making just kept getting halted we're like you know the exec at the top was like the, one of the adages he wanted was, I want best humans ever in this game. That was one of the pillars he wanted for the game. 
and was like, okay, we're going to work on the system. Instead of working on like the shooting mechanics and the AI and all this stuff first, they said, oh, guess what? We're going to make the, we want to work on the system where we take control away from the player and first person so we can do this cool cinematic and get these people so you can see how amazing our people are. And we're like, what? There's the core game you got to make first, man. And it was like decisions like this that just kept piling up, piling up, piling up. So I got really jaded. What and did they mean by best human ever? Did they did they mean like as in best looking graphically, or did they mean like and best animation? Oh yeah, a animation. They wanted the most realistic humans ever, which okay. you know in a war game when you're shooting them at twenty yards away. <laughs> you oh do, yeah, you that's really them. important. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. I I can't tell you how extremely fascinated I would have been by that. Yeah, that was awful. So Weird. yeah, it, it ended up it was yeah it was just bad decisions by people that really shouldn't have been in their positions. These are people, yeah. a lot, and to be honest, EALA, I think one of the things it suffered from is they really were, at that time, it was a belief in like, let's bring over people from the movie industry. And uh, one of the people that was running it was a person that hadn't been to the game industry very long, but came from the movie industry and the, and the, and the production side of things and was approaching it from that perspective and didn't mm -hmm. understand the difference of like, it's a game, not a movie. Uh, so that was, that created a lot of conflict in that studio. Yeah. But anyways, there was a meeting where we were seeing the AI, we were trying to make, it was groundbreaking because all the games up to that point, we had to very heavily script the AI to do what we wanted them to do, right? So the AI would just know how to duck and shoot and go into cover. But for the most part, we we're the ones that had to say, go run over here. Okay, now when the player hits this trigger, now go run over here and spawn these guys in. So the strategy was handled by us, very heavy handed. But the premise of Airborne, which in my opinion was very ahead of its time, and it was a very good premise, was you parachute in. There's objectives, you plan, you plan the mission, and you tackle the you have, you have to tackle all the objectives, but you do whatever you want. And so you had a giant, it was basically open, not full open world, but it was close yeah. enough, right? In that regard. So we had to have AI that was a lot more intelligent and could do a lot more things on their own from a strategic perspective. Mm. And we were seeing the AI for the very first time at the AI programmer's desk. And of course, he just barely got it working. And this person that I'm, I'm, I won't mention the name came in and, and was like, we we're all looking at it for the first time. And of course it's doing all these really silly things. And he starts making a bunch of knee jerk reactions. I, just, I don't remember what they were specifically, but the ones he was like, he wanted to start focusing the game on these other things. And, and like, basically it was gonna change the premise of the game that was like, take out some of the cool things of what this was gonna make this game different. And I was just, I just had it. And so I was walking out and uh, the game director and the lead designer were there and like turned and looked at me and said, we can do all that stuff, right? And I just said, I think we shouldn't make stupid knee-jerk reactions when this is the first time we've seen the AI system. Mm. And the guy heard me say that. <laughs> so basically I got ousted at that point. Um, it was, yeah, I got written up and I got put on the performance improvement plan and then fired that, 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 that following Friday. Um, so within less than a week, it was like, I, I said that and I was out. Um, so anyways, so whatever, learning experience, this was a long time ago. Uh, and that's how I got into Naughty Dog was, I was friends with Candace. She was, uh, we, her and I had always talked and like, she was looking for a designer. They needed a designer to fill out their team. And um, my understanding is at the time, Evan did a lot of it. Wells was the one that was like the first gate. And he was very picky about who he wanted to put on. And I guess when they saw my resume, he was like, oh, you've got a lot of credentials and yeah. we're making this third person shooter game. You have a lot of shooter experience. Like let's interview, like he looked at my resume and said, I want to talk mm. to him. And Candace was like really excited. And he talked to me and said like, Hey, he really wants to talk to you. Can you do that? I'm like, 
sure, let's let's figure this out. Um, and I also was interviewing with Treyarch at the time when they were working on the James Bond game. And uh, I talked to Evan, had my first phone screen with him, we chatted, you know, really nice for like a half hour or whatever. And then she called me and said, he really likes you, he wants to bring you for an interview. So I did like the whole all day interview, met with everybody. Um, and I got to say, Christoph Palestra, the other co-president at the time, like, He's awesome. He's a wonderful guy. But when you first meet him in like a setting where you're trying to do a job interview, he's a little intimidating. <laughs> he's like the French, he's the Frenchman. And it's just, but I, <laughs> I love the guy, but it was just like, I remember it was him and Bruce Straley were the two I was talking to at the time. And I was like, oh, I was so nervous in the office with them, but it turned out, it went out good. Um, they liked it, made me an offer. And like, I got an offer from them and Triarch. And I was even a little worried at the time. So I was like, I don't make console games. I don't even make shooters. I really want to go work on platformers and all this stuff. And then they showed me Uncharted. Then I saw the Uncharted stuff and I talked with, you know, my wife uh, and, and we were like, yeah, let's, let's do the Naughty Dog thing. It's like the James Bond thing seems cool, but uh, the stories I'd heard from Treyarch and the crunching and stuff was also like, I mean, granted Naughty Dog had a, Naughty Dog had a bit of a history with that too, but it wasn't quite, it didn't quite build up to the level it, it had to become, but it was just more of a, it seemed like a really cool project and I never worked on third person. It was time to get, it was a good way to get into the console side. Uh, so I was like, all right, let's do it. So I, that's just how I so, got and the so job what ended there. Up being your first, what ended up being your first project once you, once you started at Naughty Dog? It was Uncharted. I was there for the last, yeah. uh, last crazy. year plus. I mean, it's, it's crazy. It has to be one of my, again, uh, Richie. I mean, it, one of my favorite uh, titles and series is Uncharted. I think it's absolutely the phenomenal. The first one? Uh, the first one? I did um, the first one, and I think it was the third, and then uh, Thieves oh, okay. and or whatever. I just like right. because they were they really brought in that. Uh, I mean, it was clearly the it wasn't it wasn't hard to see the influences from Indiana Jones and Lara Croft, and uh, you know right. where 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 it was coming from. But it was doing in such a good way. The stories were believable. They felt very much like Indiana Jones stories. Yeah. Like that believable, there was a touch of believability in, in uh, the law uh, and the history of yes. the things you were trying to find and stuff, which was phenomenal. I mean, I mean, for me, to be, to be fair, the one that is uh, Thief's End, whatever, where, the, where you know, the, 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 <laughs> the one which is in the pirate environment is just next level yeah. goonies and, and, you know, everything it's else totally that I could ev every, yeah. ever dream of as a child to play in a game. So, so in, in, but, it, but, but it started with that first Uncharted a uh, game which I came late mm -hmm. to. Uh, I came late to oh, really? when I played them through. It was phenomenal. I don't know, Richie, from your perspective, like you know, uh, Uncharted. Uh, you know, playing through those games. If if were you, did you play them from the beginning, Rich? Or were you kind no, of like no? I've I've doubled in them. I had a I had a bit of a, a challenge with the PS3 being a southpaw. That a lot of the games if uh, they didn't automatically um, uh, if they didn't have a stick switch i just couldn't play them and i tried to change my dual shock so there was a youtube video where you could take it apart solder the joysticks oh, wow. right i actually went through that and i screwed up my <laughs> my dual stick oh. and then i was like i'm going back to pc gaming you know <laughs> i can understand yeah, it's, yeah. it's funny you say that because it's it's such a accessibility becoming a really big thing now like mm. that is being able to to let being able to let players customize their controls however they want is, it's a challenge, but it's, mm. I mean, it's a good one because it's like coming from the PC side, it's like, yeah, let them do whatever the heck they want. And I remember when I first went into console, it's like just the concept of letting them remap the controls was like, no, 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 no. We said it, we'll give, we give them the best controls 
But mm. it, they think there's mm. this thought of like, we're going to set up the play the best way we can because we've tried everything. And this is the way, like, we don't want you to screw yourself. It's mm. it's kind of like a, it's it's not done out of like an ego thing. It's done out of like a, you know, you're just trying to give the best experience you can. And now everyone realizes like, no, nope, just let them, they want to, they want to change want, it. Yeah. Let them, let them change it. Then, and there'll be a lot, then they can do whatever they want at that yeah. point. I am. Um, I wrote a letter to I understand your thing. Uh, in the noughties, I wrote a letter to Sony, an open letter on one of their forums saying, can you please, at the OS level, let us map at the OS level so the game doesn't even know that they're remapped and just let us switch the states. Uh, yeah. And the amount of yeah. trolling I got for being Southpaw and daring to ask, you know, this is like full-on toxic gamer responses, like oh, hundreds and hundreds of responses. And I was like, wow. Welcome to the internet. And, yeah, and that welcome was because to the internet. And all yeah. you wanted to do was be able to play a video game. So well, yeah, all I wanted to do gaming culture, right? was change the sticks. So every single, because yeah. every single game developer has to design their own control mechanism, right? And if they, mm -hmm. that means that, and it costs money to to develop two, two or three different button mappings and testing well, all that. So why not just do it at the OS level? Mm -hmm. That was my thought. It, I think it's a good idea. I mean, that's a, that would be an easy way to just tell the sticks to swap, but there's some yes we do you do but also depends how what engine you're using how many games mm. you've made with it etc because it's like at a certain point you're just fine-tuning rather than just scratching and rewriting and something as easy as being like oh i want left stick to be right stick it's like okay that's that's a pretty easy flip mm. right if you architect your system the right way there's there's definitely ways to do it i think it's just a matter of, like a <laughs> i like I, the whole like you got you just like I said. It's kind of like that. Welcome to Earth. Will Smith punches the alien. Uh, it's just <laughs> a, it just sucks. It, yeah, there's a, those people are out there, and then you know everyone's got their tribes, and some yeah. people are very immature. It's part of it. But I mean, there's probably yeah. also a lot of people that were like, "Yeah, that'd be great." But mm. all yeah, I can tell you is like, "Don't be left, be right." Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just well, I mean, so Sony, Sony, and Xbox allow you to switch your configs nintendo still don't let you and the ironic thing really? is yeah yeah, yeah. I, I have to play zelda um left-handed uh, right-handed which means uh, i have to play all third-person shooters right-handed because your brain can't switch right. in between the two right it's a muscle memory um, yeah and that, it's a muscle memory thing yeah but yeah. i mean That's, yeah i mean nintendo winning yeah. is won't you uh, i mean nintendo have games where you can't even invert the view like yeah yeah uh, and yeah, I mean, I'm an old PC gamer, so I have to. Oh, yeah. I've re retained my invert Y axis from PC gaming and flights. Oh, you're one of stuff. those guys. Yeah, yeah it's I, weird. Man. I know. Everybody hates it, right? I, I go around to it. his house and I have to, yeah. I get so confused. I have to remap it. And we spend half an yeah. hour trying to yeah. remap Xbox. <laughs> trying to remap the controller yeah. so you can play. But so basically, um, the, answer, the answer is why are you wrong? Yeah, why yeah. are you wrong? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> why are you wired that way, you weirdo? Um, there's there's another thing I wanted to talk. I know I know at some stage we're gonna run out of time, but one thing that really fascinating. I'm, I'm available. Me, Keep going, whatever you want. Oh, good, perfect, awesome. Okay. Yeah. Um, because uh, I know so you're Sony and you've got Naughty Dog and you've got Uncharted and all this mm -hmm. kind of stuff. You've got this thing that they're trying to sell to you called Last of Us. And mm. you're not I mean, obviously, for, I, I think when, when I met you, when you came to Digital Relations, I was like, oh, my God, this must have been a Sony must have been like so excited and like pumping money into you from the beginning and seeing how amazing <laughs> this was going to be. And, you know, taking you guys and going, you're going to make the PS4 the most successful console ever. Um, 
was it like that behind the scenes? Because from memory, that's not exactly no. how it was playing out. No, either, it, it? It, it wasn't that way exactly. Um, I mean, there was a history. Obviously, it's different now. It's Naughty Dog is the premier, I think, the premier studio uh, that that Sony, that Sony um, PlayStation, yeah, uh, has. I mean, it's not to, it's not to say the other studios aren't good or anything like that, but I yeah. think they. I think the internal thinking is like, yeah, they're definitely at the top half of that regard. At the time, we did an Uncharted, even an Uncharted two, um, like the whole story thing you're talking about. Like that's that was kind of where Naughty Dog was going with like Amy and, and Rich, uh, Bruce, Neil, uh, you know Taylor, those guys all helping oversee the story stuff. Was you know they what they were finding ways to blend story in with single player uh, or story into great uh, gameplay. So it was more of a unified experience because, you know, at the time, most of the storytelling would be like, eh, cutscene. Yeah. Okay, eh, cutscene. Hmm. And they were trying to like, how do we get beyond? How do we, how do we integrate this into the game? How do we make it part of the, how do we actually make it so that way the gameplay supports the story and all that kind of stuff. So um, that kind of whole thing was coming about. Uh, and I think the thing we got pegged for in Uncharted 1 was it's like, are you Gears of War or are you Tomb Raider? Because it didn't really kind of embrace its own identity. And there were there were reasons for that due to the fact that, you know, they were re they rebuilt, rebuilt an engine from scratch and that took forever. And a lot of things didn't come online into the last six months. And so it was a, just a push to get it out the door. Um, but there was also a thing on, on the Sony side that we came to find out later uh, that they just didn't put their marketing dollars. They didn't want to put the marketing dollars into it. Uh, they were banking it on God of War instead, which is fine um and then so try to win ships does decent right and they're like okay we're gonna make a second one and this is where uh bruce comes steps in as the game director you know there was a little bit of there's some people that switch but bruce steps in as the game director amy's still creative director neil becomes a lead uh also the trifecta of like amy bruce and neil like working on that story together uh and really trying to be like like I, I think it was Bruce that, that came through, that pushed through, and said, "Okay, we are an action game first and foremost, puzzling game second, right?" Uh, and so what we're going to do is we have traversal, we have all this traversal stuff. We are going to embrace that and make it so that way all the shooting and the action and stuff really uses that as a core tenant, a, a core pillar of the game. And that's where I think people say Uncharted Two is where like the the series found itself. It's like, yeah, oh, this is clearly it's yeah, it's its own thing. It's it's yeah. got its story. But this clearly isn't Tomb Raider. This clearly isn't Gears of War. This is something. It is a hybrid of the two in that way, but it, it's it's taken on its its own life. Yeah. Uh, in this regard, which was really cool. Uh, but again, there was a promise at the beginning that we were going to have X amount of marketing dollars. And I remember here, I wasn't in the meeting. I remember hearing about it after they came out. Like Christoph and Evan basically chewed out some Sony executives because they found out like they got them in a meeting with like, why are we not getting any marketing money? And like basically got them to admit, yeah, we put it all in the God of War three. And they're like, you <laughs> promised us. Yeah. <laughs> it was this giant thing of like, they, and so like for the next ones, they're like, okay, we are definitely putting the money into this, this time we will do it. So there was a bit of, um, there was a point to your, to, I'm sorry, this is the long roundabout answer to, to answer That's your good. question about the last of us um, was, after Uncharted 2, basically Bruce and Neil were like, hey, we have this idea. We want to, we want to do a separate game. Let's, we would like to work on that. But obviously Sony wanted Uncharted to keep going because it was 
building up momentum and it, you know we had just had multiplayer and it was starting to take off you know we were getting into the tens of billions of copies now which was huge you know that was a big thing um and so they went with a small team and started working on it and you know came up it was neil came up with this idea you know uh was he well it was I think it was Neil was the genesis of the idea, but if I'm, I mean, from what I remember, and maybe I'm misremembering it, it was he and Bruce, you know, I remember them tucked away a lot into rooms with like the story, you know, the typical story writer thing with like big post-it board or big cork board with post-it notes and like put in uh, cards where it's like you're writing story parts, plot elements, characters, all that kind of stuff. They're, they're architecting, we're bouncing these ideas off each other the whole time. So Neil was the, the creator director in that sense and that was his job to oversee it and bruce was the game director but they still there was a lot of this like there was a lot of things mm -hmm. that they they worked on together um in that regard came up with this thing um and yeah I, I, they pitched it to sony i remember they they there was a video they put together it was kind of like showcasing they kind of did it like a newsreel, if I remember correctly of like showing what would happen if an infection took off and they, they were trying to sell the feel they were trying to sell the feel, the vibe of the universe and what this is going to be and being very specific, like, look, we don't, this isn't a zombie game, right? Uh, in yeah. fact, technically, they're not zombies, you know, <laughs> they're infected, but uh, <laughs> uh, to separate ourselves. But no, the goal was like, look, we are not telling a zombie game. We are telling a human story in a zombie universe and the zombie universe is there to support the hard things we want to explore and tell them in the story, which was, in my mind, it was that was the right way to do it. That was, that was, yeah, brilliant, brilliant from the start uh, in that regard. And yeah, it took a little, I, I want to say, you know, our success with the previous games and the way Uncharted 3 was shaping up and stuff like that. Yeah, there was more, there was more uh, acceptance of being able to take something on like that, but there was still a little bit of a, like, all right, sounds kind of cool. Let's see where this goes. You know, I don't think it was, I don't think it was straight up. No. Yeah, this is awesome. Do it. Uh, I think I don't think it was until we finally hit that first E3. Uh, yeah. We knew we had something special on our hands the way it was developing, but that first E3 where we had so many people coming in and checking it out and the demo and, and, and the fact that it was a playable not on it was playable for us like we obviously it was a manufactured demo and the fact that like you had to walk a very specific path, but the intention of it was to like we everything whenever a demo like that was made. It was the intention was to take all the elements we are planning on doing and showcase what it could be like in a, in a finalized scenario because mm -hmm. we just didn't have time to make them all at that point. So it's not like I, I want to say there was probably a couple of things that didn't make it or just, you know, over the course of development, we're like, ah, this is a cool idea, but it doesn't really play out well. And it's not as fun as we thought. So we're going to dial it back or change it, whatever. But the intention was to show all the stuff that you are going to go. I think we fulfilled that promise oh, for the most I mean, part. So how. That, and that's just a, a, a good point. So how, how, how does it feel having one of those overwhelmingly, overwhelmingly positive responses that, that people had yeah. versus when you've, have you been involved in something which was the opposite? So like how, yeah. how, how sad, like how bad does it feel when it gets to that worst? And do you read all the reviews and everything for bad games versus how good yeah. it feels? Is it worth it as, as it were? Uh, back then... I'd say the reviews were worth reading. Now, yeah. I don't. Um, but that's a I can go into that. We can go into that topic a little later. But um, 
yeah, back then it's like, cause you know, I, Allied Assault was very well received. It did well, et cetera, you know, stuff like that. And then we did Pacific Assault and it was like, this is what? <laughs> and I know why it, 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 you know, again, it wasn't any fault. We had a lot of talented people on that team, mm. but it was just mismanaging the ground. And that's, it was very poorly, poorly thought out and the execution, we did the best we could, but mm. a lot of things that just control the way they are. So you get dogged for that. Um, you know, same with like, uh, Airborne, I left before Airborne was finished. Obviously, I, uh, you know, I was into the, the prototype and some of the, the the initial production phases before I was let go. But even seeing it come out and playing, I'm like, all right, I think they hit a lot of what they promised. And I think if you were to go back and play it today, yeah, it's not may not necessarily be, uh, the you know, it on hold up, but it's still a lot of cool stuff that was ahead of its time. And I, but I remember it seeing it getting dogged. Um, and even Uncharted 1, it was that same thing where like, mm. you know, it's got like a, I want to say low 80s or whatever, mid 80s, yeah. where it was like, I think the comment, like that whole comment of like, the it was the common theme across most of the reviewers was like, what is it trying to be? Is it, uh, it doesn't mm. seem to have its own voice. It seems to be part Tomb Raider times and part Gear, uh, Gears of War times, you know, that kind of thing. So yeah, we took that to heart and like, made uncharted 2 and made it better right or, and that's what we tried to do and then same thing you know like all the there's a lot of valid criticisms and comments and as a designer it's like that's our job is to listen to them so mm. i have no problem when someone comes in and wants to bash something i've worked on my my attitude is the same i approach it the same attitude as when i'm making a game is like okay you didn't like it you got to tell me what you didn't like about it and I, and let's talk about the why and then can you give me a suggestion as to how you could have you would have liked to have seen it differently because mm. you know complaining for complaining sake is we don't even like most game development studios and just a tip for anyone going into game development if you can't give constructive feedback and i don't mean constructive feedback like as in like politically neutral to the person you're telling it to and just being tactful i mean you can you have all rights to say I hate this. This is incredible. And I've done this before. It's, it's like, this is incredibly frustrating and it makes me want to throw the controller in the screen. This is why. And I will tell you why. And here's how I think we can fix it. Or if I don't have a suggestion on how to fix it, at least I'm going to try and pinpoint the problem and say, I don't know how to fix this because I think this is maybe a core issue in this system or that system, but let's discuss it. But when someone comes up and says, this is this sucks. Yeah. And, well, and if you can't, if you can't, yeah, if you can't back that up, I'm like, noted you didn't like it okay maybe yeah. the game just isn't for you at that point how, how am i supposed to take anything you say seriously i'll mm. i will note yeah. the fact that you are on the negative column that you, there's something about it you don't like i maybe will try to act depending on the attitude i'll try to ask a couple of questions and probe you know you learn how again through focus testing and qa just one of the skills you need to know as a game developer is like okay how do i how do what questions do i use to probe and see if i can try to get out of you mm. an answer because sometimes it's legitimate like when you have you know you're hiring just, you know, when they actually do the focus testing, you're bringing in gamers off the street that aren't mm. game developers that know how to analyze stuff. So when they come in in, a, in an interview at the end and we and they say like, oh, I didn't really like this thing. You got to know how to ask them questions to try and draw out the why. Mm. That's a very important skill that you need to have, especially as a, as a designer in the design role. Mm. So I'll do that for a bit, depending on the attitude. But if the attitude really is like, no, nah, I just want to be negative and, kit and kitschy about being negative. I'm like, all right, yeah, I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and on just kind of, on the flip side, um, talking about the kind of hype that was generated at E3 for Last of Us, did mm. did you feel any pressure from from actually finishing the game because expectations had got so 
got quite high or did you embrace it and think yes we can this this is a that good thing. game that game is is a, is an example i think of a bit of both it's mm. like yeah there's the, the feelings you feel are like there's the pressure going into it being like all right well people understand what we're trying to do and accept it oh they do okay that's awesome so we're going in a good path that people do want to play this kind of game and we because we knew going it, it, that was one of those moments where it's like we had done enough to the game where the team knew we had something special, right? Like I, I to, you know, in fact, to, this answering this question, the previous question, I think that's the worst and best part for a game developer is like Naughty Dog does a really good job, not wanting to move forward on something until they know it's fun and good. And that all, a lot of times makes their games get to a point where a lot of the people working on it can be, all right, I feel it. I believe in this mm -hmm. game versus you have a game like the Pacific assaults where you're just like, this game stinks and it's not getting better. And I can see that it's not going to get better. So now I'm, now you just depressed, but there is pressure in terms of like, okay, now we want to make sure we, we finish strong. We want to nail it. There is that, there is that, but when you believe in the product, a lot of it's more just like you, the, the pressure is more about getting it done and meeting the deadlines, if you will, because, you know, now there's like, there's financial obligations. There's, you know, obligations to everybody else in terms of the schedule, like, you're not getting your stuff done in the farming center then you might be you know pushing somebody else to not be able to get their stuff done which therefore pushes the project out we might have to delay it therefore that means people are crunching for a longer period of time but i think when when the whole team is on board there's a camaraderie that's where you get that kind of like it, it, you know that addictive camaraderie of like everyone's pulling on the same rope you see you see the ship emerge. You see the old Victorian ship you're trying to save coming out of the ocean or whatever, or Atlantis is coming up, and you're like, "There it is! It's working!" Uh, so it's it's a bit different on a game like that versus you know Pacific Assault. You're more like, "Oh God, we got another." They're making us crunch another three months. It, it's like it's the opposite. The rope is pulling you into the ocean. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You almost <laughs> just want it to be over. It's like, can we just let go of the rope? <laughs> I just want to let go of the rope. <laughs> at this point so it's a little different in that regard it, it, i'd say the pressure mounts up more after it's done because then that's the kind of pressure that um can steer you in the wrong direction the pressure of like all right we made a really good title now we got to top it and it's mm -hmm. like well what does that mean does topping it mean like some people take that to mean we gotta go way over top like we uncharted three had this problem um yeah we decided we totally got bit by have to make it bigger, batter, you know, bolder mm. syndrome. And I remember one of the, you know, one of the, one of the things that happened in the development process back then when we were starting a new game is we do these brainstorming sessions. And since we knew we started getting known for these set pieces that you actually play through, uh, we were all like, we had a, a meeting of like, Hey, let's come up with all these cool set pieces. And like, that's where things like the boat, the boat going underwater and turning, uh, the, the cargo plane sequence, um, you know, a Jeep leading up to the cargo plane sequence, like all these other kind of things. It's kind of like those things get recommended and talked about in, in coming in those meetings. And the problem was like, we had a giant list of all this cool stuff. And then at the end, you know, some of us were like, all right, let's just pick three and make sure we like to focus yeah. on these things. These are the most, these are the most intensive and hardest things to do. They take yeah. the most amount of resources, the most amount of time to get right. And, you know, they also have, they're payoff moments, but if, if you were to if you were to calculate on a time, you know, like a time breakdown, they are they have to be like caps to like things you have to build up for because 
they only last for so long. You know, they're only, we're talking five minutes of gameplay out of a 15 hour game. Yeah. So you want to make sure that that thing hits hard. And the way you do that is you got to have everything leading up to it. So it's a giant payoff moment because it's really short. So when you look at the amount of effort it takes to make them versus the amount of time they're going to be in the game, it, it truly is a miracle that these things get done anyways, just mm. again, because of the cost burden. And I just remember like, and people in the game were like, no, 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 we're going to leave them all on the list. We always remember, we always shoot ambitious. We'll cut later. I'm like, we, we don't cut. <laughs> like that was yeah. the thing about it. That was kind of like the starting of the, the realization of like, you know, cause people were noticing it like uncharted one. So uncharted one crunch was, I was like, for me, even I was like, this is not that crunch. I've worked on mm. worse, especially coming from, you know, 2015 where we had to, the very first year of 2015, we, rent, we worked out of a house. Three of us lived in the house. I was one of the three, so we could pay rent back to the company and make, it was a smart idea from the, from the, from the, the owner's perspective of like, it'll allow us to make our budget go longer. And I was like, that's a great idea. But you live in a house like that, even on the weekend, you're trying to sit there and watch a movie and you're like, my computer is literally on the other side of that wall and I got a month of work to do. And it's, you know, you're pulling seven day weeks, you know, 20 hours a day 16 hours a day it was common so when i had this crunch you know when that we finished on target i was like that was a really bad crunch and i'm like it wasn't that bad but i you know at the time i was like i wasn't realizing how silly of a statement that was and then charted too it got worse but the game was so good but then everyone was like hey can we find a way to make this not so not hurt as much and some of us were trying to do that in the planning phase of being like hey you know let's let's undershoot because we know this is how much game we plan to make. This is how much game we actually make. This is yeah. what happens, right? It, especially in a, a company like that, where they're always very ambitious and the, the moon will be shot into Jupiter. <laughs> you know, it's like, you're going to go way beyond where you need to go. And so like, let's just plan this knowing it's going to balloon. And then that means it'll probably balloon right to where we want it. Mm-hmm. And then we have these other, th- and if we can see along the way, it's, we need a little more. We've got these other ideas in the, you know, in, in, the, in the bank and we'll pull one out. And so when I remember coming out of the meeting, that was kind of the first time I was really starting to get, eh, not disenfranchised, but just starting to realize like, oh, all right, it's going to be that kind of development. Okay. Mm. So that was a bit unfortunate, but. Uh, but that's anyway, an interesting yeah, point sorry, that you I'm make. Going there, off topic to your question. No, 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 it's good. It's really good. Uh, but it does, it does. I mean, the, the thing I find interesting there, it was your comment when you were talking about the next one's got to be better because I have a violently different view on that, which is this it just needs to be as enjoyable and it can be that by being more of what it is being truer to itself it doesn't have to go bigger i think this is like the marvel syndrome where they think that each movies if we explode a city in one movie the next one we've got to explode half the world and it's like that yeah. doesn't mean that that is a better movie because you blew up more of the world that's not what determined yeah. my interest it's the you know, it's character development, it's understanding motives, it's it's getting to understand being more bought in and invested into the environment, but also this idea that a sequel always has to be better than the previous game, I think, is why franchises die, uh, because that expectation can quite clearly never be met. What you need is something that is as good, and then yeah. actually people will be like, wow, this is amazing, it is as good as the one I saw before. There feels like there's an artificial pressure that keeps mounting on things 
being better than the predecessor. And I think uh, a lot of things, uh, you know, get, get, get fail because of it. Like they literally, literally failed because of the pressure of being better, which is an unrealistic expect, expectation to keep, to keep building to. But I mean, or, you've now created a game or helped create a game that is a TV series with Pedro Pascal. And a movie. And a, mo- <laughs> and a Uncharted how, movie came up. Anyway. Yeah. So how- By many- the way, it was in talk from Uncharted 1. That's how long that thing has t- been in the wow. in some Yeah, that was probably wow. before Tom Holland was born. <laughs> oh, God, that, 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 <laughs> I just realized what you said. <laughs> yes, it was, it was, there were so, I, I, it's gotta be yeah. like the sixth director, actor, lead actor, whatever combination it's gone through. And anyways, I'm sorry, I interrupted you. You were, I, I'm agreeing with what you're saying, by the way. Yes, that's what you're describing is, is my example is like, take that, add one, maybe two new innovations to it, right? Like, I, I think games are worth evolving in that, like, okay, this is the game we made and here's the gameplay we did. How can we take it up a notch? How can we mm. take the systems we have and use them in new ways or add new features to them and maybe add one fresh new system on top of it? Like, if you do that and then hit all the quality bar things that you were just talking about, I mm. think that's how you can make a really successful sequel. And and in in Naughty Dog's case, where the, the story is king in that mm. regard, yeah, nail the story, nail the characters, nail the beats, continue, you know, keep that going and integrating it. And then that's how you can manage it. Otherwise you mm. get, I mean, the horror stories I left, I went all the way through, I was there, I tried one, two, and three. I worked all the way on um, Last of Us, Last of Us Left Behind. I was starting to prototype Last of Us 2 on the small team that was doing that when um, Amy when Amy left. And then all of a sudden it was all hands on deck to get Uncharted 4 done. And so that was Uncharted 4 in the pre-pro, ending of the pre-pro phase going into production. Uh, and then that's when I left to go to ah, this game, Infinity War. Uh, I worked on the Infinite Warfare. Um, but it was like, I mean, Uncharted 4, the crunch on that one and the development cycle was so bad. I mean, it, it, it broke people, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, there's like some people took sabbaticals and didn't come back, you know, for that. Mm-hmm. And then Uncharted, or then The Last of Us 2, from what I heard, went even crazier. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was, it, you know, it got... It, it's good that they realized they needed to push back and thankfully they did it in a way where it's like, like that was another problem EA would do is at the time that people that were running it is they were kind of, they were kind of weren't reporting honestly up to EA, the main EA, because we actually heard from a few people, some of the execs from main EA after the studio changed over, they were like, yeah, we were being lied to. So they'd say, oh, we just need a couple more weeks and make us for a couple weeks we're nowhere near done and instead of like okay we're gonna delay six months and then get a plan it was like no a couple weeks a couple weeks a couple weeks and so there's like we gotta push hard oh now we gotta push hard now we gotta push hard it was, it was like it was like push as hard as you can for two weeks for a year <laughs> you know it's yeah. just non-stop yeah, uh, versus at least at least yeah, like it, no, no, it, it would realize like yeah yeah, it's like, all right, we're going to, we know we need X amount of months to get this to where we want it to be. Mm. And I give them props for being like, hey, they're going to make sure they're not going to release a product until it's the product they want to release and that it's great. And they make great products, some of the best in the industry. No mm. no doubt about it. My, my qualm and why I left was, I feel you can do that and I feel you can plan better and minimize and be ambitious, but not be shoot the moon ambitious to the degree where you are where you have repeated like every game i worked on since i was there every game 
including The Last of Us 2, all the way from Uncharted 1 to The Last of Us 2, every single one of them bloated beyond their expectations. Every single one. And it's like, what's the definition of insanity? <laughs> it's like, yeah. you know, how many, yeah, how many times are you going to walk and, or hell, run full speed into a door that has spikes on it? How many times are you going to do that before you realize maybe I should walk up and open the door first and then I can pass through it without killing myself? It, it, and it, it's just, it's a predictable pattern. And it's like, you can adjust to that. It is an adjustable thing. Do it and do it for the sake of your people. Because it, 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 it's a contradiction of like when a company says, oh, we value our people. We really do. And we're doing, and you know, we want everyone to feel happy and glad they're doing this. And it's like, but when you are literally putting the game in front of your people and you are encouraging this mass amount of crunch and like, it, I won't go into details, but there was some of the behind the scenes stuff when I worked there that even like, you know, you hear some of the people saying, and, and I stood up for it and saying like, that's not right. It's like, you can't, like there was things where people it's like we need to send an email out being like why is this person not here on a sunday because something was broken and i was like it's a wow. fucking sunday man yeah like, that's you terrible can't do yeah and it was it, it led to an argument you know inside of the office that day and i'm like i'm not gonna dog anybody i get mad. yes i've gotten mad because i'm like oh man this thing's broken i'm here and the person that needs to fix it isn't so i just wasted some time that's the way I would feel back in the day. But then mm. you start realizing as you go older, it's like, wait a minute. Like that's, I am volunteering my time in here uh, to, I'm volunteering my overtime. Like I don't, I don't have the right, just because I'm here, I don't have the right to demand that anybody else should be here because I am. That's mm. not fair. No. That's not right at all. And so that's, that's my issue is like, and that's where I, I wanted to now, whenever I'm very happy at my current studio, Blends World treats us amazingly <laughs> like they're very 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 much about what do you need and mm. they try their hardest to minimize the crunch as best they can and even though we're a lot of stuff we do is work for hire mm. um like we there are just certain things where it's just like yeah we'll, we will authorize overtime on things when it's needed but we want to plan and minimize that to the best we can because we need you guys to survive <laughs> and want to yeah. work here and, you know, enjoy mm. what you're doing and enjoy the fruits of your labor and want to keep working here on new projects. So mm. it, it, and the, and the company, a few companies I worked at before that felt the same way. It's just, yeah. And I don't want to sound like I'm, I'm not trying to dog obviously on, on not at all. And that, that was, I love, I love the studio. I love my time there. I love all the people I worked with. They're, they're all brilliant and just created oh, some look. amazing experience and stuff, but it's, that was the one thing I'm like, you still haven't gotten it right. Come on. Yeah. And look, you're not saying anything that, that we haven't heard from every single interview mm -hmm. we've had. And, sure. I mean, and, and yeah. it's a well-known factor in the industry. So it's not like this is any secrets that you're divulging. But I think it's good to get that human aspect and understanding what it actually means. Because, you know, you're putting all these different pressures on top of each other. The pressure of making an amazing game. The pressure that you're going to get once it launches if it hasn't. Uh, the financial pressures of the studio and what does it mean for your own job security, the pressure of having a family life and, and, and people that you love that depend on you. So, you know, obviously it becomes a pressure cooker point uh, that can be unsustainable. And I don't think a lot of us understand because we work, we work in industries where we feel that as well. Like Richie and I have things where, you know, we end up uh, being frustrated because of those things. But I think neither of us can really understand what it means to be working under those conditions for that period of time with that much exp uh, 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 
I guess, expectation. And then also having a world out there that's then going to judge your product afterwards and tell you whether or not yeah. you were great or shit, you know, or crap. Oh, and they want to judge your product too. And they're happy to tell you it. Yeah, yeah. I, absolutely. Right. So yeah. it's, it is a different thing, but yeah, um, it's actually, mean, it's, it's actually, yeah, you, you're working in a, you're working on something that you're incredibly passionate about as well. And that's always going to lead to overtime and it's always going to lead to emotions and, you know, people are going to react because they care so much. So you put all that in a pressure cooker with people being stressed. It, it must be really hard. Yeah. Really it, hard. It, I mean, there was, you could tell it when the crunches were deep, it, it, you know, deep meaning it's you're getting towards the end and you're in the, the worst parts of it. It's like, yeah, there were plenty of times we were, we had shouting matches in, in the office, you know, because of the stress and do stuff. And then, you know, but we all were, professional to come back and apologize <laughs> no one ever no one yeah. ever threw to fists saying you know no it never ever got to that level but there were definitely like shouting yeah. matches of like what the hell why is this thing blah 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 but um yeah it's funny uh, i guess to address a comment i said earlier it's like especially yeah it's like when you especially putting out games now and the way the review culture is now it's uh and why i said like yeah i don't i don't trust most reviewers i see now i i'll go into forum posts and I want to kind of hear what from the player base, what the player base is. But the review scene, and this is my personal opinion, I think the review scene is so messed up at the mm -hmm. moment uh, with the, the way, um, and also seeing behind the scenes on how some of it works with influencers and like streamers mm -hmm. and the way yeah. that, you know, yeah, the way totally. that, that works. And then there's like, there's obviously it's getting better now with some lawsuits about like, Hey, they have to announce this is a, I am being paid to give this review or, you know, I got this thing for free or I got something out of it. So that helps a little bit, but there's also like, you know, not to, I, I don't want to go obviously into the topic of world politics and stuff, but it's unfortunate. It's unfortunate seeing the polarization of people, at least in, 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 in our country, in the States, that polarization is now bleeding into even reviews where you're seeing some games because they don't agree with the, a game didn't particularly fall in line with a particular set of political thinking. Oh, well now we, we've got to, we have to give this game a lower rating because it's not, it's not advancing a, a, a an ethos or, or an ideology uh, enough for us. And it's like, or the other opposite where it gets review bombed for that exa yeah. exact reason that it took a right. viewpoint like even Last of Us 2, it was really interesting. Obviously, mm. when, when it would have started developing, it wouldn't have been as agitative of a world as it was once it came out the other end. Yeah. But things that would be kind of like, yeah, duh, not even a big deal, or should have been, became massive points of contention, which you just like look at and go, what? Why? Yeah. Exactly. It's not even a big deal. And it's, it's crazy to think. And I guess this is kind of to round it off and get to that part that I know uh, Rich as well as uh, love, loves hearing about, which is your your future view then of, of gaming. Because now we've sure. got, yeah, this goes with you know, we've got the kind of review world set up the way it is. The world is where it is with game studios becoming better at, at kind of dealing with human issues. And, you know, it's all kind of changing. But what is your view will be the big things coming out in the gaming future or the game future? I mean, it's... As an industry, yeah, no, that's I, it's it's a it's a broad, super broad question. Though the thing that all right, let me tell you what I think. At least let me approach it from maybe the perspective of what I think it won't be. Because um, I remember like 
like when mobile was bl blowing up, for example, I had a lot of friends, uh, you know, on my timeline and stuff were saying like, oh, look, PS4 is coming out. They would like dinosaur. It's all about mobile and free to play now, blah, blah, blah. You know, and it's like, I remember there was like this meme of like dinosaurs running away from a comet and the two dinosaurs were PlayStation 4 and Xbox One. And it was like mobile or whatever was the comet coming in. And one year after their release, I went back to them and say, hey, how does it feel having PS4 being the, the biggest launch, console launch in history? Oh, look, they're going fine and they're becoming bigger than you or at least as big or whatever. It's like it, that the thinking of like, everyone loves to seem to want to call out the next big thing. It, uh, and, it, you know, it, it just frustrates me because the way they tend to call it out is, and maybe this goes to the review culture of like, you know, of everyone's like, I want to say the polarizing thing that's going to get me the most likes or, or you know, whatever, be in this, have this tribe support me versus that. There's always this, it's always framed in this way of like, this is going to take over the entire industry and everything's going to be doing this. Like it happened with, uh, you know, when Fortnite's taken off and then Apex Legends, everyone's, oh, King of the Hill games, it's all going to be King of the Hills. I'm like, come on, man. <laughs> it's like common sense. It's like the market, there are so many people that love to play games. Like every single person on this planet that is capable of comprehending what is happening on the screen and can use a controller or a an input mechanism in some way is a it can is a, a, a potential gamer somebody that could potentially want to play some type of game right so the market is in that regard is is kind of limitless basically mm. it's just the population so mm. there is clearly room for all of this to exist in some way shape or form Right. So just to make the statement that it's all mobile gaming, now, it's like, no, people still want consoles. There are people that still like the experience of sitting down in front of a large TV and playing a game. And maybe that'll change. Maybe they'll go to be like, OK, maybe it's going to be more like the switch where it's like I'll play it or a Steam Deck or something like that. Or that I can I can. I, that's kind of one of the things I, I've been thinking about even before the Nintendo Switch came out was like, you know, with the advent with the advent of these little tiny, wonderful things, you know, are getting so popular. You know, it's it's like it seems that the the processing power is going to get so big in that thing that eventually I will have a full blown ridiculous gaming PC or console in a tiny form factor. That basically, why can't it be my console that I just plug in or wirelessly connect to my TV with my controllers versus, or then I take it with me and go somewhere. I think that's a, I think that is maybe where consoles will go in another couple generations. I mean, they're already starting to go, but. Obviously, we're at the bleeding edge of it right now, so it's it's going to take a while to get there. But aside from something like that, like I, I still think people are going to want to, even the newer generations or whatever that come out. It's like you're going to want to sit comfortably on a couch, preferably probably not eye strain yourself into this little tiny screen and see it. I mean, how many times do people like? Yeah, they watch movies on their phones and their tablets, but also if they've got a TV, a lot of times they're like, oh, let me just stream it to my TV. You know, I'll cast it to my TV or whatever the you know insert your ecosystem of choices term uh so i i think there's just some human things that are gonna that just allow for the fact like human things like the ability to sit down a couch or i want to play couch co-op with my friend or i want to you know i'm going to sit in a room and people are going to watch me play a game like an uncharted or the last of us so I, I just think it means or i'm going to sit on the train because mobile makes sense i'm just I'm on my commute you know i'm gonna do my thing uh, or I'm sitting in the back of my Uber, whatever, whatever the future may hold on that. Um, 
there's so many places and ways that people can want to kill some time and maybe play a game. So I think to me, that leaves the market nice and wide open. And for people to limit it and say, this is going to be the thing that kills everything else. It is only going to be this or that. I think that is incredibly some of the most short-sighted shit <laughs> that I could possibly imagine. Sorry, you're going to have to bleep yeah, that yeah. One. <laughs> So what, what, are you, to, what are you excited about? What are you excited um, about that's, that you can see coming and think, oh, I can do some great stuff with that? Um, I do like things like the Steam Deck um, mm. or the or the Switch, just as a as a as a family or as a dad now, because it's like my biggest problem is is being able to find time to play games. And my my daughter's too young to be able to sit down and watch me play half the games I'm playing on this on my PlayStation, right? So either I have to hook a, a i have to either get a tv for my office or hook it up to one of my monitors and play this way which i don't want to do i i want the nice high 4k tv experience that i'm paying for uh or i have to wait till she goes to sleep and then i'm up until the wee hours in the morning and i get no sleep um so the the concept of something like a steam deck where it's like i can just take my library and play and play it in bed you know before a couple hours before i go to bed at night or something is interesting I have to say, I do like some of the new things that are going on with like the PlayStation 5 controller. As yeah. silly as it sounds, like the uh, the dynamic triggers. Yeah. It's a, that was so cool. I was just yeah. like, where was this ages ago? And mm. Microsoft, why the heck don't you have it? Because either that means I have to take advantage of it only on PlayStation, but I have to write the mechanic in such a way that it can work without it. It's like frustrating. It's like, no, I want to I want to be able to like use some of the cool mm. stuff they have. It makes it feel so much realer, though. And it's such a small thing. Mm. You know, a little bit yeah. of resistance on a finger just it massively yeah. increases the experience. Yeah. yeah. Or the hard stops you can put in. So it's actually like a thing you have to break. And not yeah. just for triggers. Like you can use that for puzzles like... Uh, Probably my one stamp on the the, uh, the Medal of Honor Airborne game was the the whole true trigger thing. That was my idea uh, that I came up with. Was like, hey, how can we make it so that way as you slow squeeze a trigger, that's what steadies your aim, and then you you like a real like a real shooter has to find the 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 weighted point, mm. you know, the where where if I go beyond this, I'm going to pull it. So how could we emulate that in a game mm. in a sniping mechanic? I thought that was really cool. Well, that to your point, like it helps. Any, like there, like you can use controls and make your make you have to do things on a controller with the analog sticks or the triggers or the buttons or the way you press them in certain ways. Like you can use that as a way to enhance a mechanic, just like mm -hmm. we were talking about. So if if you have a tool at your disposal, like a dynamic weighting system or being able to put the hard stop in there that you have to mm -hmm. break apart or break past, it's like. Yeah, there's a lot of cool stuff I could do with that, you know, in the yeah. future, as long as I know that's the thing that every player is going to have, you know, and I can account for it, then I can write a mechanic to deal with it that I know it's only that everyone's going to be able to use it. Um, stuff like that, uh, it, it, little things that excite me. I, I will say also the other good thing is um, all the hardware tech that you see on a PS5 nowadays. And I mean, Xbox has it to a point, but like all the stuff they did with the, uh, the SSD and all the fast loading. Because mm. like what yeah. you were talking about earlier, right? When like yeah, PS3 and even PS4 to an extent, you have to do a lot of memory management of like mm. dump this thing out of memory, and you know there's a lot of times when you're walking like to get that seamless experience that you get in like an Uncharted or whatever on PlayStation 3, we were like okay, it needs 10 seconds 
I need to have a minimum, was it 10 or 20 on PS3? And was it, it might be 10 for PS4 and 20 for PS3. I don't remember exactly, but like mm. you had to have a certain amount of time that we could load X amount of data off of the disc. And so we had to create these sequences of like, okay, this is still in the old thing. It's, you know, we could unload all this crap around the corner from you because it's 20 seconds away or whatever the timeline was. And now we can, we have the, and this will slow you down enough to make sure you can load in the stuff coming in. Cause there were times in the last was like, you know, speed running started becoming a thing. And we're like, oh my God, there's a, a tester figured out a way to speed run this area where the next section wasn't loaded in and it breaks the whole game because the triggers for that area weren't in or the, the thing that the trigger needed to call wasn't in, but it tripped the script. So the script is now in a state where it won't, where it won't, it, it, it can't move beyond it's, it's permanently stuck unless you reset, you know, you reset that checkpoint. And it, it's, so having all that kind of like fast load and more memory yeah. to play with and, and like just lifting the limitations off is it, I, that it's exciting. It's a bit also, I also see a bit of the curse with it because honestly the best stuff in a creative sense, I think most creative people tell you is, is you have to work within some form of restraint. So the fact yeah. that we have these restraints made us become cre extra creative in how we design certain mechanics or how we designed layouts or the way certain things would work. So I don't know. We'll see how we'll see how much that takes a hit. <laughs> you know, yeah. that kind of that kind of cool invention by the was it the invention is the is the mother necessity or necessity is the mother invention yeah, yeah. that phrase though yeah how much of that may or may not take a hit in, in the way people adapt um but I, i'm excited for it just from the fact of like oh good we can load stuff in a half a second i could load 20 gigs in half a second and there's the entire world in the animation set all right open the door let's go yeah, yeah that's crazy so that's exciting um you know and also just to see you know, everything's becoming more powerful and more powerful and more powerful. So that unlocks, mm. it creates its own blessing and a curse in the fact that, yeah, it, it increases development time and, and uh, development investment and money and all that kind of stuff. But mm. it's exciting to see what people are going to come up with. And then you also see the other side of it where you have like the indie community is start, gets to start to get a, a hold of some of this power and like make games for the PlayStation 5 or whatever. It's like, yeah, they don't necessarily have to use every single ounce of power on it. They don't need to for the game they're making. But when they have that at their disposal, what do they do with it? You know, like what kind of games, what kind of games are going to come out? And you actually see stuff like No Man's Sky and, mm. you know, uh, even as crazy as it, I know it's not a console game, but when you see stuff like Star Citizen and what they're doing and like mm. this giant connected online procedurally, po possibly procedurally generated universe, mm. you know, where you could have the entire civilist, the entire, uh, every person on the planet playing this game at once if you wanted to and it still wouldn't be enough to fill the entire universe mm -hmm. of people flying around from planet to planet and populating cities and doing all this stuff so it's it's an exciting time you know a couple that like like i said where it's like there's the market is ever expandable you know maybe maybe the sub markets are saturated of like oh yeah there's only so many people that want to play king of the hill games or there's only so many people want to play mmos or so many people that are going to play story based single player games but there are tons of people that are willing to play a type of game that hasn't been made yet or, uh, oh, yeah. you know, a style of game that hasn't been made. So it's like to sit there and, or a new type of hardware experience, like when the Wii came out, you know, like um, that was, it was, it was amazing to see how many people took to it. And it was disappointing to see how much Nintendo just kind of pooped on their developers and didn't really support them. the third yeah. party developer, you know, to support yeah, yeah. them and make that ecosystem become what it could have been. 
And there's things oh, like that's... Among Us as well, right? Among Us is a really kind of basic mm. concept, but it just plays on people's kind of how people interact and judge each other. Mm. And it's uh, it's an amazing uh, success story for something that on the face of it's really simple. Social experiment mm. games, are, that's another... Yeah, I mean, that's kind of the indie community has been really scratching away at that. I and mean, I think you get mm. a lot of that from like student games too. Because mm. you think about it, like, you know, the, the college degrees are... They're getting so much better that like when I, you know, 10, 15 years ago, you know, if somebody kid, I got a degree in game making, I'd be like, that's wonderful. Where's your portfolio? Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah. It's like, you didn't think about it. But nowadays it's like, you know, like the one that SMU that my friend Squirrel, Brian uh, is at, like they have a, their training program. He was explaining to me on the engineering side. He's like, no, they put them through the, they put them through the entire rigmarole of what it's like to make a game and they give them they try to give them as much ingrained tribal knowledge of the game making process mm. and what mm. it means which is great so it's not just hi i learned this tool and i learned how to make low poly or high poly art in a certain way or i understand shaders or i can just write programming code it's like no here's the here's what it takes to make a game and then here's what it takes to make a sequel off that game and how you're going to iterate and how you're going to figure out like you know a lot of the tribal knowledge just like oh this is why we tend to write things like this right now because this is what is optimal for like the way engines or the way current hardware likes to work or you know just also what tends to work you know because here's the like they're going to make them try the ways that we know in the past we've tried that have failed and they'll try it for themselves and be like oh i see why that doesn't work now mm -hmm. you know because a lot yeah. of times it, it's amazing how time, many times i've talked to people fresh on the scene, you know, that, that are like coming in and want to make games or they're just, they think they're getting into classes or they're, mm. they're a junior developer coming in from college. And like, you always want to encourage and be like, Hey, yeah, give us, you know, you are a part of this team. Speak up always. Even if the idea is something where we're like, you know, it's like, yeah, that's been tried before. You know, our job is like, maybe is, you know, where I'm at in my career is in becoming more of like mentorship, if you will, mm. is I always try to approach it from like either a, I, I'm like, okay, I don't think that's going to, I either want to ask questions to make them think about like, okay, how, what about this problem? Mm. That, and I know the answer to it, but I want to see if they, maybe they'll come up with mm. an answer to it. It's different. Or if, if we don't have time for that, I try to explain like, it's like, okay, that's cool. But here's the reason, here are the problems we've had when we've tried this before. Do you have, you know, like, these are the issues we've run into a lot of mm. usually don't do that. What do you mm. like? I, it's not to shut you down and to be like, don't do it. Don't shut up and do it. It's, it's more of a thought experiment of like, mm. here's what's going on. If you could think of a way around it, please make the suggestion. But, you know, a lot of times people are like, oh, I see. Oh, but what if we go this way? You know, and then it's like, aha, that's the way we usually go. This is what mm. we tend to do. This way. So it's trying to trying to do right, <laughs> I mm. guess, in, in that regard. So it's, yeah. That's it's cool. um, hey, um, hey, Benson, I feel like we've got a second episode in us sometime in the future as well. Sure, whatever. I, I, yeah. I do want to thank you for your time. It's been awesome. It's been fascinating for, for us to hear your talk. So I want to thank you so much for coming on and talking to us. I definitely think. No, you're welcome. Been, Thanks for the invite. I appreciate it. You. Haven't seen you in too long. <laughs> nice meeting you. I know. You. Yeah, nice meeting, nice meeting you, Benson. I would show you, I've got a Marshall stack and a couple of guitars as well, but I'm hooked into my microphone at the moment. So uh, next I time I'll give you a tour and you won't see the sign room. You'll see the more interesting locations. Oh, that's all good. Yeah, you're from <laughs> you're from England? Correct? Yeah, yeah, I'm English. But I live in okay, New Zealand. So I, yeah. New Zealand, right. But I, I'm just saying it makes sense why you have a marching. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's uh, like that guy can't be seen with a fender. Yeah. <laughs>
PV actually when I when I was like a teenager, okay. PV was my amp of choice. But the Marshalls yeah. just look nice and classic. I'll leave you two guys. Sorry, I have to shoot. But hey, yeah, I know, I know. We'll send you, we'll you, send you through. We'll, we'll send you through the podcast, and I think definitely we'd love to talk to you again because yeah, that'd be cool. So yeah, yeah. Stories. Anytime. Um, let me know if I'm available. Thanks for listening today. If you like this episode, please leave us a review on your podcast platform. See you next time.